This is the Sideline Distant Podcast, coming to you from YouTube and iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at the Brad Whitaker. This is the Brad Whitaker, not some imposter. The Brad Whitaker got a good one for you today. I'm going to talk about Tony Romo and his potential landing spots this offseason. Where could Tony Romo be at at the start of the 2017? regular season and uh you know i'll tell you where i think he should go if he wants to win a super super bowl title which he's been longing for for uh quite some time uh but first like there's this problem that we have in uh professional sports particularly in the nba where it's it's star driven star oriented uh where we we expect our athletes to be role models and uh you hear this a lot you need to be a role model out there. But there's also this fine line between being a role model and being a player that lives on emotion. And the two don't always go hand in hand. For instance, I think the best example that I can think of at the top of my head right now is uh, a Draymond Green with the Golden State Warriors. Nobody fires up their fan base more than Draymond Green right now in the NBA. It's true. Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, they got all the attention, but if you ask the fans, who do they want at the microphone? Who do, who do they want to fire them up? It's Draymond Green. And it's obvious why. I mean, he's, he's uh, what, six foot eight. He's undersized for a power forward, but he plays physical. Uh, he sometimes kicks players in the nuts, but he, he, he throws elbows. He's not afraid to play tur- dirty, go to the floor. Uh, he's that kind of player, and uh, you know I'm I'm a Boston sports fan, and you know I've had a few of those players growing up. Hey, the the Celtics, you know, I most recent example uh, on their championship team, that player would have probably been Kendrick Perkins, and uh, you know, and this happens in all sorts of sports. You want the Baltimore Ravens, you want Ray Lewis, you want the player that's going to play dirty out there. You know, the Seattle Seahawks thrive on playing emotional, and sometimes they break the rules doing it. That's just what happens. But their fans love it, and understandably so. But it's hard to be that and also be a role model. And uh, we are in a situation right now with the New York Knicks. With the dis- I think they've hit rock bottom at this point, although I would have thought that yesterday when Phil Jackson tweeted out as... Uh, or, acknowledged a story on Twitter uh, from Bleacher Report that bashed Carmelo Anthony, his star small forward. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Carmelo Anthony, and I'll get to that in a minute, and I don't necessarily disagree with Phil Jackson, just how he did it. And again, I'll get to that in a minute. But last night, what you saw was a culmination of the dysfunction going on in New York right now. And... Look, I'm not a fan of the owner, James Dolan, of the New York Knicks. Remember, my college roommate, he would, you bring up the name James Dolan to him, he'd shout at the top of his lungs. And I think that, that tells you how the average New York Knicks fan feels about James Dolan. He's made a lot of mistakes. But he's not the only reason why the New York Knicks have struggled over the last decade and a half. But last night, if you haven't heard, Charles Oakley, who, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Knicks fans, uh, he was kind of the Draymond Green 
of the Patrick Ewing Knicks of the 90s. And uh, those were great teams. They made the playoffs every year. Uh, but they didn't always live up to expectations. And a lot of that was thanks to Reggie Miller. But what happened last night, if you haven't heard, is uh, Charles Oakley, who's been retired from the NBA for a little while now, uh, he sat a few rows behind James Dolan. Now, uh, obviously, Oakley is has Knicks blood. He'll always the Knicks will always be his team. That's who he roots for. But he's also had some behavioral issues. In addition to being an emotional, physical player, role player during the '90s. You know, and he was a great player, don't get me wrong. I think he averaged, typically averaged somewhere between 11 and, and 16 points per game. He could rebound. He was physical, and uh, he wasn't as undersized as Draymond Green is now for that position. But that's just simply because players have gotten bigger. But he played in the same sort of role that you could say Draymond Green plays now. And uh, a lot of that fired up the Knicks fan base when he was there. He was the Ken, my Kendrick Perkins from when the Celtics went to the NBA Finals. He was my per, he, he would be the Perkins equivalent. Physical, fires up the fan bases, gets in trouble every once in a while. But you can't expect players like that to be mentors. You just can't. Draymond Green got arrested in the offseason for getting into a bar fight at Michigan State his alma mater, and Charles Oakley, who I, I, I'm not saying they're the same, the same personality, but what I'm saying is you can't expect these emotional, emotional-driven players to be role models. And Charles Oakley, who I've heard, he's, he's not a national media figure at all, but if you're a New York Knicks fan and you grew up watching those Knicks teams in the 90s, you know who Charles Oakley is. And he sat behind James Dolan a few rows back at yesterday's game between the Clippers and the uh, Knicks at Madison Square Garden. And he started talking shit as loud as he possibly could. And uh, he says James Dolan started it. Who knows? The two do not have a good relationship. But what ended up happening is security came on over to Oakley and they, I don't know, they probably asked him to leave. Go up and look at the videotape. It got ugly very quickly. Oakley pushed security guard, shoved the security guard. It took multiple security members to to help carry him off the court. He fell when he was going into the tunnel. He eventually was handcuffed and put in jail for the night. And he's been all over the media all day ever since. But Oakley is an example of how you can't always expect NBA players or NFL players or MLB players, uh, not hockey players because they're Canadians, they're all role models, but uh, NBA, you can't expect these guys to be role models a lot of the time. You just can't. And, you know, a lot of these guys enter the league at 18, 19, 20 years old. They got a lot of growing up to do, and, and sometimes... They never are able to grow up because they live in that world for a long while. And then when the end of their career nears and they exit, they don't really know how to escape. 
And Charles Oakley is a guy who is a local figure to the New York Knicks, but he is not a national media figure, and he's not very happy about it. He's also not happy about how the New York Knicks have performed for the last decade and a half, and he blames it all on Knicks owner James Dolan. But the Knicks, they have bigger problems than just James Dolan. And a lot of people that have been critical of Dolan for the last uh, 15 years or so, they've they applauded his decision to bring in Phil Jackson as their general manager. But as we've seen, Phil Jackson as the general manager is not the same thing as Chicago Bulls and Los Angeles Lakers head coach, Phil Jackson. And, you know, you could have questioned his actions uh, at the end of last season, how he handled his uh, managerial moves, but we saw this offseason that he really does not have a grasp for what he's doing right now. It's safe to say, as the New York Knicks continue to plummet down the standings of the Eastern Conference, the decision to trade for Derrick Rose was not a good one. And there's this idea in the NBA that if you that the team with the most superstars wins. And while that is true, it's only true to an extent. You need superstars that are able to play together. And here's where I agree with Phil Jackson. Carmelo Anthony wants to be the guy. He does not want to make sacrifices. He's not LeBron James. He just isn't. LeBron James will go down as the greatest player of all time, I believe, when he's done. But he'll go down as the greatest player because he's won championships. And he's won championships because he's willing to pass the ball. And he's willing to change his game. He's willing to work with other players. He's willing to let himself evolve. He's willing to take a back seat to Kyrie Irving every once in a while. And LeBron said, and I think he said it last season, it would be my dream to play on a team with my best friends, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Paul. Well, who's been on the trade block these last couple of weeks because of Phil Jackson just openly muttering out, I want to get rid of Carmelo Anthony? All but saying that. Sending out cryptic tweets that really actually aren't cryptic at all, and... I agree that Phil Jackson should try to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, but what's happened is he's been so stubborn about it that it's made Carmelo stubborn about accepting a trade anywhere he goes. And then you have teams all around the league that do not want Carmelo Anthony. As I was saying with LeBron James, and let's face it, LeBron is the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He really is. He didn't want to play with Carmelo Anthony. And it seems at this point that the Knicks will do just about anything to get rid of Carmelo. His value as a star has never been lower. And it's because players don't want to play with him. He's stubborn. He wants to be the guy. And then you have Phil Jackson, who understands how to communicate with his players as a head coach. He's not in the locker room every day. He's in the front office. And because of this... He's, he's using the same attitude he did as a head coach, and it just doesn't work in a managerial position. You have to know your role. Both Mello, both Phil Jackson are in the wrong in this situation. 
Now, look, I, I believe you can blame James Dolan at the top, but you can't put all the blame on him as Charles Oakley did. You just can't. And that, now the situation that you have in New York is the Knicks are desperate to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, and they really won't get much in return. And even if they are capable of pulling off a trade, which will take three teams, because it's it's almost impossible to pull off a blockbuster trade in the NBA anymore, because you have to match salaries, and the salary cap is... It's more difficult than the NFL. It is. And because of this... Carmelo, if he gets traded, he said, I don't want to leave. I'm going to stick it to Phil Jackson and say, you want to trade me? Well, I have a no trade clause. And he said previously that, uh, or this was reported, uh, that he would accept a trade to the Boston Celtics. And many believe he'll go to the Clippers as well, or the Cavaliers. Because he wants a shot at a championship. And the Clippers, you know, if there's anyone that can deal with multiple superstars with difficult personalities, it's Doc Rivers. But now, what you're seeing right now is the culmination of all the dysfunction that the New York Knicks have suffered for the last decade and a half. And I don't know, there's just something about that organization. But Knicks fans are sitting here rushing. They've been defensive about Carmelo for many, many years. And finally, you're starting to get the sense that the majority of Knicks fans are beginning to turn on him. They're starting to recognize, all right, look, you can't have the ball the whole time. You can't dribble out the shot clock. I mean, Carmelo, first of all, Derrick Rose is the same kind of player. Those personalities do not mesh well together. And this is a team that should be building around Porzingis right now, or at least finding complementary players or a complimentary superstar, or someone. Instead, they brought in one of the biggest ball-hogging point guards in the league, and a player, and then he's playing alongside Carmelo Anthony. And then what you have Carmelo doing, Carmelo couldn't even play with Jeremy Lin. They, when Lin started to take over the league during uh, the Lin Sanity era in New York, he... The Knicks offense opened itself up a little bit. They wanted Carmelo to stay outside of the arc to give Lynn a little more space so he could penetrate and kick it out and have room to move around. And Carmelo just wouldn't let him do it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let him shoot. He wouldn't, he didn't want to shoot three pointers. Carmelo basically, he started lurking in when he wasn't supposed to and it threw off the entire offense. And now you have Derrick Rose who is a drive and drive and dish every once in a while kind of player, and we're seeing the same thing. And then you have general manager Phil Jackson, who is trying to coach the team through his managerial position, and he also doesn't seem to understand that the league has changed. You don't need nothing but three-point shooters like the Warriors have. That's not going to compensate for a lack of depth and a lack of size and physicality. But you do need shooters in today's NBA. You need at least one or two top-notch three-point shooters if you want to contend in this league. And Carmelo won't let his game evolve. He won't learn to become a better three-point shooter. Derrick Rose is not a deep shooter. And then, you know, Porzingis is... He's versatile. He can go out and shoot threes, but that's not where you want your big man all the time. They don't have anyone that can shoot the basketball. And Jackson can't seem to recognize this. And then you have former players coming in and yelling at James Dolan saying it's all his fault. It just seems like everyone who touches this franchise, this organization, becomes tainted in a way. 
And there's just something going on with the Knicks. It's going to take... I don't even know. I mean, they're going to have to get rid of Phil Jackson, I think. And But it all starts at the top. I think probably, uh, if you're an NFL fan, the best comparison would be Jed York, the owner of the San Francisco 49ers, who pretty much ran out Jim Harbaugh, and then you saw what happened one year with Jim Tomasula, out. One year with Chip Kelly, out. And now... He's handing it over to Kyle Shanahan, who I think is one of the most brilliant minds in the NFL. That's, I think, what the Knicks need to do. They need a clean house. And, you know, it all goes back to when Carmelo joined the team. The pieces that were traded to the Denver Nuggets for Carmelo Anthony, that happened because Carmelo forced the trade. Had he waited just a few months, which he should have, those pieces in New York would have still been there. So what it, what ended up happening? The Knicks took a step back acquiring Carmelo Anthony instead of just waiting until the offseason, and that was Carmelo's fault. And it all comes down to culture. Culture means everything in, the, in professional sports. I think it's most important in the NFL, but the teams with the best culture are the teams that win, and... The Knicks clearly have a bad culture, and as you saw with Oakley, uh, you don't rush to his defense, Knicks fans. I know he fires you up emotionally. He was the guy. He was an exciting role player to have, but you can't expect him to be a mentor. And yes, he went into the arena yesterday, and he behaved poorly, and you need to recognize that, Knicks fans, because yes, your owner sucks, but your general manager is underperformed. You have two superstars on your team that won't give up the basketball, and then you should look at the owner at the top. But the the shitty thing about life is the owner controls the team. And as Jed York of the San Francisco 49ers said a few weeks ago, uh, you can't fire the owner. I am the owner. I'm the one who makes the decisions. Jed York, I mean, uh, uh, James Dolan, he just hasn't made a lot of great decisions. And you need to put the public pressure on him to make better decisions, to clean house, to trade Carmelo, to trade Derek or get rid of Derek Rose. Do something because what's happening right now isn't working. And yes, it all does go back to James Dolan, you could say. But Phil Jackson was not ready to be a general manager. And uh, this team, it's going to take a few years for them to dig themselves out because of it. So uh, this is a hard time, uh, you know. I, I I became a sports writer about two years ago, and uh, about two and a half years ago, and you're going from season to season, and you you kind of have to depend on the viewership and what people are interested in, and uh, you know the NFL has dominated headlines for the last what three to four months, and you know this happens every year. And it takes a little while for the NBA to warm up. But once the NFL season ends, it's all NBA all the time, except for at the end of February when people pretend they've been paying attention to college basketball all season. 
So it's kind of hard right now for me to let go of the NFL season. It also doesn't help that I'm a New England Patriots fan, and that was the single greatest comeback I'd ever seen in, uh, well, Red Sox-Yankees, but probably in, in, a, in a single game, that was the greatest comeback I've ever seen in any sport. But, you know, the NFL offseason is still somewhat exciting, and the more you know about it, the more exciting the NFL draft is. And uh, there's there's a lot of things happening this offseason in the NFL that really haven't uh, happened very much of late. And, uh, you know, Dak Prescott taking over for Tony Romo was a surprise. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, nobody expected him to play as well as he did for the New England Patriots, who could potentially get the number one pick in the NFL draft if they want to. Uh, I don't think Belichick wants to because he doesn't want to spend the money, but they could potentially do that by he- because of how Jimmy Garoppolo played in less than six quarters. And uh, I... I the Dallas Cowboys, it was disappointing that they ran into the Green Bay Packers at the wrong time. And uh, they looked a little rusty in that game, and because they didn't come out looking so great, uh, the Cowboys weren't able to make up for it. But they now have a chance to really use this cap space that they can get from freeing up Tony Romo and, and trading him or, or, or releasing him to really go out and get some defensive players, uh, and maybe, I mean, I've argued that they should trade Dez Bryant, too. I think Dez Bryant works better with a quarterback like Tony Romo, and uh, teams that prioritize the receiver position generally lose. You want to you wanna win in between the tackles, and then everything else is just an addition, and obviously you need a good quarterback. Uh, but there's a lot of teams in the NFL, as always, that are going to be looking for a quarterback. And it's interesting to see what happens with Tony Romo because he has some options, especially if he's a free agent. And uh, it's, I, let me tell you the, the, some of the teams that I think he could potentially go to, and I'll tell you whether or not I think Tony Romo would be a good fit. San Francisco 49ers are interesting now that Kyle Shanahan is there, but... They are so far away, and it's going to take at least a couple of seasons for that team to rebuild. And now they're going on to their, what is it, fourth coach in four years? That's that's something. And, you know, you saw when John Lynch was hired as the general manager of San Francisco, he wanted to keep it quiet, and he tested ownership to see how long they could keep it quiet that Lynch was hired and it, it it took them 24 hours. Within 24 hours, they were like, oh yeah, John Lynch is our GM. We can't keep this quiet. So I don't think Romo's going to San Francisco. Just the dysfunction that's happening there. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the most brilliant minds in the NFL, but he can't turn it around. New York Jets. Jets started three quarterbacks in 2016, and a lot of people were like, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick is a nice booty call for another year, but... For the most part, it's not going to work out, and that's what happened. Ten and six to five and eleven, and it seemed that Fitzpatrick was kind of an Alex Smith last year. He was efficient. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, and that all changed. All you had to do was watch his game on the road in Kansas City to see that, where he threw I think five or six interceptions. It was terrible. Most of them were in the red zone too, uh, but the Jets have a lot. A lot to come up with, come back from. 
Uh, I understand Tony Romo wanting to go to an organization that has like a Bryce Petty and a Christian Hackenberg. You go there for a couple of years and uh, you can mentor. But the New York Jets have so much to recover from. And uh, it's it's an old roster already. The Jets have an old roster, and I think they're going to want to stay young at the quarterback position. So I don't think the Jets are a likely destination for Romo. As for the Kansas City Chiefs, this is interesting. Now, as I I just mentioned Alex Smith a second ago, he's been very efficient. But because the Chiefs have been only 1-3 with Alex Smith in the postseason, fans want to get rid of him. And... This is one of the most difficult decisions, I think, in the offseason, is what to do with Alex Smith. Do you stick with him, or do you get rid of him? Now, I don't think the Chiefs are going to get Tony Romo, because it's going to be difficult for them to fit him in under the salary cap. And uh, Romo, he really could boost Kansas City. I have no doubt about it. But is that really the position you want to make adjustments at? Alex Smith, I know, he's not a superstar, but he is more competent than 70% of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you really want to take that risk with Tony Romo, who's been injury-prone these last few years? I don't think so. I don't think Kansas City will happen. Now, here's a destination that is fascinating. And uh, geographically, it makes a lot of sense. The Houston Texans... Tony Romo wouldn't have to go far. He'd carry a lot of those fans from Dallas over to Houston. People would want to go just to see him. And uh, the Brock Osweiler situation in Houston has been nothing but a disaster. So, yes, uh, I understand Houston has some O-line issues. But their defense was peaking at the end of the NFL season. And they were the number one ranked defense by the end of the regular season. They were in it midway through the third quarter against the New England Patriots with an offense led by Brock Osweiler. All Houston needs, for the most part, is a good quarterback. Now, Texans have to pay Brock Osweiler $16 million in guaranteed money next year. And uh, so they'll, and they'll probably hold on to him and release him the following offseason uh, because that's only going to cost him about $6 million as opposed to $16 million. Uh, but either way, there is very little room for them to bring in Tony Romo. And uh, I think there's a way for this to get done. But I wouldn't. I think this would make more sense in a trade and not through free agency. And if Dallas could get some of Houston's defensive pieces, that could work out. Uh, but look, if I'm Tony Romo, Houston is where I want to go. Because the AFC, it's interesting. Tom Brady's career is turning a lot into LeBron's these last five season seasons. I think he's going to dominate the AFC. But all it takes is one good quarterback on Houston, and suddenly you have a contender with New England. And I think Tony Romo going to Houston could do that. The only problem is the salary cap situation, how much money Brock Osweiler is chewing up. Uh, it's going to be... Very hard for them to pull it off, so it could happen in a trade, but I don't see Tony Romo going to Houston in free agency. I think he wants to go there, but it'd be very difficult to do. Now, the team I really do not want Tony Romo to go to, as a Patriots fan, is the Denver Broncos. Because I think if you put Tony Romo on that roster, they're arguably the favorite in the AFC. And that's because we saw what happened with Peyton Manning. It took... 
he had the worst season of his NFL career and still won the Super Bowl because he had that great defense behind him, which is still, for the most part, entirely there. Tony Romo is going to want to play for a team with a great defense. And that's why I think Houston makes a lot of sense for him. But that's also why I feel like Denver makes the most sense for him. Now, Tony Romo is getting late in his life. He's been playing in Texas for all these years. Maybe he likes the warm weather. And playing at high altitude in Denver in the cold late season may not be the best fit for him. But if he wants to win and he wants to go to the Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos are his best bet. And it will be much easier for Tony Romo to go to Denver under free agency than go to Houston. And that's why I think that's probably a likely scenario. And John Elway would love it. Broncos don't know. I think Paxton Lynch, they believe he's the future quarterback. But Trevor Simeon, he wasn't amazing, but he had some great games. He definitely did. And a few years, Paxton and Trevor under uh, Tony Romo a couple seasons, they could grow in a lot of ways. Uh, and then finally, I have three other teams listed here, but really only one of them is likely. I'll do the two unlikely ones first. The Cleveland Browns, they could bring in, bring in Romo. I think they have either 13 or 14 draft picks, uh, this, this offseason, which is just absurd. They're going to need to trade some of those picks, but, the Cleveland Browns are a few seasons away from from even contending for the playoffs at this point. Ah, well, actually, I'm not sure about that. Baltimore is a bit old offensively, although they have a great defense. Pittsburgh is just dysfunctional, and who the hell knows what's going on with Cincinnati. So maybe Cleveland could sneak in there. There's so much parity in the NFL. Teams can turn themselves around in one offseason, but I just don't think the Cleveland Browns— I don't think Tony Romo is going to want to play in Cleveland— it just doesn't work out. And the Browns, they're gonna want they're gonna want a young quarterback to build around. Uh I think it's more likely that they'll trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. They're good trade partners with the Patriots. They've been the last few years, especially this season. It's more likely that they'll trade for Jimmy G than draft uh Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson. Uh I don't think it's a great fit. And then another f- interesting choice. I don't think Tony Romo will do it because I don't think he wants to play there. But this could really turn around this franchise, the Buffalo Bills. In all likelihood, Buffalo is not going to pick up Tyrod Taylor's option, and which means he'll make an excellent backup in Cleveland. <laughs> and then uh, Sean McDermott, their, their new head coach, he's going to want to change that offense a little bit, and uh, I think he'll want a pocket-passing quarterback. If Tony Romo goes to Buffalo who knows? Who knows? I mean, they, they have some defensive issues they need to fix up. Um, obviously, playing in the AFC East, it's hard to beat New England once, even, even playing them twice, even at home. Uh, it, I just don't think Romo wants to do it. But that's if I'm Buffalo, I want to get Tony Romo because I think he's the piece you need for the next couple of seasons to contend for a playoff spot. Remember, the Bills are not that horrible. They're, I, don't, I don't know what their record was, uh, but... They were middle-of-the-pack team, and they've been a middle-of-the-pack team for a little while now. Had they been in a different division and didn't have to lose to the Patriots twice a year, they could have, I, I guarantee they would have made the playoffs recently. Poor franchise, hasn't been in the postseason in forever. Uh, but finally, uh, the team that I think has a realistic chance of bringing in Tony Romo is the Chicago Bears. 
Um, Bears have expressed interest in Jimmy Garoppolo, um, but the the reason why it, the Patriots are going to need a lot because they they I think they want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. I really do, and it's going to take at least you know two first rounders and a few defensive pieces for uh, Patriots to want to trade away Garoppolo. And the Bears are a likely candidate, many believe, but they're going to have to trade some draft picks. And wouldn't it make more sense to bring it? I mean, they're they're moving on from Jay Cutler. Th- that's without a doubt. And that's going to open up a lot of cap space for Chicago. Wouldn't it make sense to keep your draft picks and sign Tony Romo for a couple of years and try to build this organization up? If you can build, if you can have a solid defense and then a, a Tony Romo led offense. Even whenever Romo moves on, uh, whenever he retires or goes to another team, or, I mean, he's probably only going to go to this team, the next team he's going to for a couple of seasons. Even if that happens, Tony Romo, uh, if you have a high-profile team like the Chicago Bears are in a high-profile city, they'll be able to recruit another great quarterback or, or grow another quarterback that they bring in from the draft or something like that. But again, he's not a long-term solution but I think the Bears, I, I think they can turn around the team quicker than most tend to believe. Now, here's something I will say. The NFC North is, that's a division you're going to have to watch next year. Especially if Tony Romo goes to the Bears. I think the Detroit Lions, you saw how, uh, what one season can make. How big of a difference one season can make on a team. And the Lions, they lost a lot of close games last year. This year, they won a lot of close games. And they were knocked out early just because they weren't a great team. But that's all it takes sometimes to make the postseason in the NFL. And then you have Minnesota, who had the injury issues at quarterback. Had they not had those injury issues, they would have been in the postseason. Obviously, uh, you have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You put Tony Romo on the Chicago Bears. That is the most fascinating division in the NFL. That is the NFC East of next season, if that were to happen. Uh, but that's it for today's podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, I'm in my new digs, but it's going to take a little while to get get it all set up. So just audio only today and tomorrow. I'll be back on video next week, and then the week after, it will be much better-looking video. Until tomorrow, I bid you adieu.